coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Early on, we tried a workout program together. I held up my end of the bargain, and I felt like she dropped the ball and just wasn't motivated enough. I wasn't going to be the jerk to keep her accountable, and that wasn't my role. You were just the jerk that was going to walk around with a wife that you thought was a lazy bum. What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Man, I hope you're doing well. If you want to be on this show, the single greatest, I, I mean, ever, just go to Apple or the Googles or the Tubes and look at all of the shows about marriage and parenting and relationships. This is the best ever, ever. Nobody believes that. But if I just say it over and over, I just want to, it just, I think it's going to keep happening. So, if you want to be on this show, we're talking about what's going on in your marriage, in your life, uh, with your kids, what's going on with schools, whatever's going on in your world. At work, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291. Or go to com slash ask. Please, please, please. Um, man, I feel like I'm uh, like a middle school kid. Like, hey, can I spend the night at your house? Um but please leave five-star reviews and um, send the shows that uh, matter to you to your friends. And please hit the subscribe button, whether it's on podcast or YouTube. It makes a big difference for everybody. Thank you so, so much. All right, let's go to Nick in – hold on. Before we go to Nick, this is like a whole – look at this, man. We got millions of people out here in the in the home audience. There's not really millions, but it's fun to say that. All right, let's go to Nick in Orlando. What's up, Nick? Hey, man. Hey, uh, just enjoying life. How are you? I'm I'm giving that a shot too, man. I'm working on it. Life good? Yeah. Life's good. Uh, it was great until you said millions of listeners and then my heart dropped. Hey, don't worry, man. There's like 17. I think we're up to like 26, if I'm being honest. There's 26 also, listeners or so. I'm, I'm good with 26. That's fine. Yeah, actually, I think it is in the millions, brother. So <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> my, you're here, dude, so let's do it. Yeah, might as well. Um, ultimately, um, my wife's body isn't what it used to be. And I want to talk to somebody about it. Okay. Tell me, I'm trying not to make a face. Um, and uh, I know for all the millions of people listening, I would like to just say it's been fun having this show. And, um, <laughs> I know that that's intentionally insensitive. This, um, this will be the final episode. Okay. So tell me, uh, tell me what's going on. How long have you been married? So we've been married, uh, 10 years. Uh, we were, uh, we were an athletic couple dating in, in our early marriage and just adding kids and jobs uh, that's just taking the back seat. And so um, I want to, I want your advice on having an open conversation. I know it's obvious. Um, I know my wife's con uh, confidence has taken a toll. Um, so I want to, I just want to help if I can and uh, hear your thoughts on it. How have you tried to help already? Um, we early on, we tried a workout program together. Um, I wasn't telling her certainly to go lose weight. Uh, we took a team effort and I feel like I, I held up my end of the bargain and I felt like she dropped the ball and just wasn't motivated enough. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to be the jerk to keep her accountable. And that wasn't my role. And so <laughs> you were just the jerk that was going to walk around with a wife that you thought was a lazy bum. And no. anyway, um, I mean, kind of. so, of. so uh, I'll start the whole conversation this way. You are allowed, I, I, you're allowed to do whatever you want to. Um, I don't have one ounce and I, I've got no problem with, um, you being attracted to who and what you're attracted to. That's that's up to you, okay? Mm -hmm. Not going to get any judgment from me. Like, there's no drinking the haterade on that one, okay? Um, the challenge here is the way you're framing this feels like whether you meant to or not, you you had conditions on, a non -conditional, on an unconditional love relationship and you found them. And this sounds like, yes, there's attraction issues, but it sounds like, I don't know many married couples who haven't experienced this. And the, maybe the, like the 
image attraction changes, but the total love in the household, the, the connectivity, all that stuff doesn't change. Sure. And so when you say things like she dropped the ball, she screwed up, now you're getting into character issues. And my, my bigger concern is that what, what you are going to point your fingers at is this is an attraction issue. This is a, like, she's put on 40 pounds or 50 pounds, and I'm, I don't think she's pretty anymore. She used to be a hot athlete, and now she's not, is, is cover for, it's real, it's true, you're less attracted to her, but it's cover for, I think my wife is lazy. I think she, okay. I think she baited and switched me, and she's ripping me off. I gotcha. I think I'm embarrassed when she wears certain things out in public because I have an image that I want to. Does that make you see what I'm saying? Tell me if I'm yeah. I'm off or if I like. And here we're already in it, so just be honest. Tell me where where you are there. No, that that all rings true. Um, okay. I, I I I don't think that she's lazy, and I think that she wish, wishes she had more time and more effort or more self motivation. Um, to work out and to take care of things. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm still processing, I guess. Um, I think that ultimately I don't think that I've set that condition, um, that you stated, but I don't think. Hey, let, let me say it this way. Most people, Unless you're a, 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 like just a truly evil person, you're a psychopath, or you're just like a lame like loser. Very few people look at their their just for this example, it, their wife in this example, and say, "You've gained too much weight. You disgust me. I'm not a like I I'm grossed out by you. Like that that level of vitriol is is rare. I'll okay. say it's rare, but it's not common." Sure. What's way, way more common is your wife knows you don't think she's pretty anymore. I got you. You don't cut glances at her anymore. You don't give her hugs anymore. You keep the lights off. You, and so it creates an air that y'all are sharing. You're both breathing this where yeah. she might not be able to put her finger on it, but she knows you're out. Gotcha. And it's very, very hard to... Like, um, you can only be who you want to be when you've got a, a group of people supporting you, walking alongside you, that you know have your back. And only then can you repel off the side and go do great and wonderful and crazy things. And that can be as little as, hey, I'm, I'm clearing the deck for you an hour a day and not follow it up with so you can get some gym time in. It's, I'm going to clear an hour a day because I see how hard you're working and I love you more than life itself. And I, Mike, for the next 60 days, I'm going to give you an hour of your life back. I'm going to do all of bedtime. I'm going to do all the dishes. I'm going to come home with dinner. And you're thinking, I'm super busy. I work full time. She, that's what support and context feels like. Yeah. Not, hey, we need to get a workout program together because she knows, right? She, she knows you don't like her. Or she knows you don't think you're, she's beautiful. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. And you don't think she's beautiful on, on both, like, both physically and she's just not, she used to be doing this, but she's just not cutting it anymore. And I know that sounds so harsh to hear that out loud, but that's where we are, right? Right. Um, so is there, are there any, I guess I'm looking for practical and sensitive ways to even talk about it. Is there anything to talk about? Um, or is there just a simply a lead by example and just keep an open, we keep an open conversation with our kids about good and bad things to eat and taking care of our bodies. We've, we've established that. Is there anything more I can do besides just opening time up through the day? And, and I can, I can practice that. I can do that. Um, is there, is there anything else I can add to that? I think you need to do some really deep soul searching about, um, whether you're in this marriage or not. I gotcha. And I can't tell you, man, more times than not. Do you, do you have somebody else? No, I don't. Is there somebody that you work with that makes you smile and laugh a little bit more or is pretty hot? 
Nope. Um, I'm not, there's not a specific woman. There is a, there's a, I'm honestly, I'm jealous of the dads or husbands that have the fit wives. Um, because I see their motivation or maybe even like obsessity, um, to a fault obsession. Obsession. Obsessity is a new word. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) Um, just to a fault. And I, I don't want to swing that pendulum too far to where it's on in an unhealthy habit. Um, just looking to, to improve all of us. I I, I think you need to be very honest with your wife. Okay. And I think the conversation is about you, not her. Okay. And I think the conversation begins with, I am struggling with physical attraction. I'm struggling with the fact that I've created a house where you're so exhausted and you're so fried and you're so out of gas um, that you've got no space. And that's on me. And I'm sorry that like, this is not, the moment you go to and you've let yourself go and you're doing these right. things, then by God, she's got to defend herself. Oh yeah. yeah, like, yeah but that, checking that, out of the conversation and I guarantee you, you've got your issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, if I'm super honest, dude, you're, there's something you're not telling me. What's the, what's a bigger, th- what's there's something underneath this. And here's why, like I said, every couple, every couple on earth goes through weight transitions and fluctuations and you have kids and all hormones change every and get busy at work. I've put on weight. I've worked with, with guy like during the book writing process, my eating has gotten bananas. And so I use it as a lifting phase, but I've put on some weight. Mm. Okay. I just have, it's a fluctuation. And so that's normal. It's a part of, you can see it. If you go look on the thumbnails of my shows, you can see I've put weight on my face. Like I've just gained weight. Um, and I'll go through another phase whenever I'm done and I'm back. So there's an ebb and flow to all relationships. There's something underneath this. What is it, man? I, I don't know that there is. Um, so your wife I'll, is perfect in every way and you love your life. You love your sex life. You love your intimacy life. You love laughing and playing. It's just, she just isn't pretty anymore. That's, what I'm aware of. I don't know of something underlying and there could be, I just, I'm don't have that answer for you. Um, I'll, I'll do that soul searching to find out, but I, I just don't know. Okay. Um, I think you need a season of repentance for, for, with her for one big reason. She has gotten the message loud and clear. You don't like her. You don't approve of her. And that's got to stop either, either that, or you got to leave, man, because you're being cruel. No, and uh, yeah, and it, it's all unspoken. I'm, 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 I know that she senses that. I know that she's unhappy with, with where she's at too. And, and so I agree with you. Um, how, how practically can I open that conversation up without offending her? You're offending her by by. Your whole, your whole life with her is an offense. And so I would say that ship has already sailed. There's going to be tears in this conversation. There's going to be frustration. There's going to, she's going to be pissed off at you. Like all that's going to happen. So you can't avoid that. What you can do is speak about you mm-hmm. and about what you're willing to do to create a world where she feels safe and feels loved and feels like her, her relationship with you isn't contingent on um, caloric intake. And only then can she say, I want to make some changes too. Like my buddy, Sal, the Stefano said, you can't hate your body into long-term change. Right. And you can't hate your wife into studying harder, or you can't hate your wife or be grossed up by your wife until she gets in better shape. That's a recipe for a, a, a nuclear explosion. Understood. Okay. And so, do you see what I'm saying? Like this, this conversation is about you. Yes. It's going to be, you're gonna have to be honest. I'm, I struggle. I'm struggling with, with attraction here. I'm also struggling with the fact that I've created a world where you don't feel safe anymore. Yeah. Also, you're going to have to make peace. If she says, I think I'm beautiful. Yeah. And this is how I am. And this is who I roll. Yes. I used to be a runner or a karate champion or whatever. That's not my world anymore. I got two little kids now. This is my world. Mm-hmm. And then you are going to have to look at her in the eye and say, I love you to the moon and back, or you got to go. 
right? Right. Because you got you also got two little ones that you're teaching. Hey, by the way, this is what love looks like. And love looks like silence, or love looks like, ugh. or love looks like. Are you sure you want to have another bowl of ice cream, honey? Or why didn't you work out today? That's that's they're picking all that up, man. They're picking up all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. And as somebody who spent a lot of my life walking alongside people with disordered eating challenges, man, it's just a recipe. It's just, man, it's just a mess. You have to own the person you fell in love with and that you looked in the eye and said, I'll be with you forever no matter what. And attraction comes and goes, feelings come and go. That's part of it. but you're going to have to decide whether you love this woman or not. And you're going to have to plug in there. All other healing and weight loss and all that other stuff comes after. I'm not going anywhere. And I will love you for now and forever. Um, that's the only platform long-term healing can, can be anchored into. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient. It's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Slash Deloney. All right, let's go to the City of Angels and talk to Sarah. What's up, Sarah? Hi, hi. How are you? Good. What are you doing? <laughs> um, I am just hanging out with my dog. He's choosing to be um, super restless right now, of course. <laughs> I like how you have personified that dog. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> he is making course. choices that are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. All right, so what's up? Um, I'm calling because I've had a lot of thoughts about this thing in my life. And I feel like, um, when I found your show, I thought you'd be a good person to ask. And, um, so my thing is, I feel like I'm having a lot of trouble coping with my singleness mm -hmm. and I'm just looking for some, maybe some new perspectives, some advice or something. Tell me about it. So I've been single now for six years. I'm 34. And basically the whole time I've been uh, dating. So, and that's like online dating through friends, um, people I just meet out, just, you know, different, different places. And it's, n none of them have come to anything. And I mean, I'm talking like, 80 dates over the years, like a hundred, I've lost count. And I feel like I'm starting, you know, I really want a family. I really want kids. And as the years are like going by, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm mourning something that I haven't even lost yet. You know? Yeah. No, you um, have, you have, I think, I think grief is perfect right now. The thing you don't have is this picture that you had created for your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's, yeah. um, 
I think we all do that, whether like, I'm going to make a hundred thousand bucks by the time I'm 35, or I'm going to have three kids by the time I'm like, we, we create these pictures and they kind of come from all over the place. Our experiences, what our dad said, our mom said, our friend said, and they, we create these pictures and then you wake up and there's this little churn in, in, in your body that's trying to always solve for that picture that we got. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. it, the, the, the anxiety alarms really just start ringing in louder and louder. It's like, you're 33, you're 34, Sarah. And if if you get pregnant at 35, they drag you into the geriatric wing and they're like, all right, you're a thousand years old now. And right. So you have all, and that's nonsense, but you have all this, all this, this undercurrent in your body is trying to solve for this picture you had and Mm -hmm. the picture's changed. And so I think it's really important to sit down and, and own that reality, right? Just choose reality at this moment. I wanted to be mm-hmm. married. I wanted to be in a long-term relationship. I wanted to have one kid and another on the way. And I don't. <sighs> I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Is that scary? I mean, it is, but I think like... I think that's what's causing so much like unhappiness with it. It is. It's it's so annoying because it's not conducive to actually like meet anyone because you feel worse about yourself. You, um, I don't want to come off as like desperate, you know. Um, and then you start overthinking it. That's what anxiety is the worst, man. It just spins on itself. And I, I have anxiety issues. Like, of course. <laughs> so for the last year and a half, I started taking Lexapro and it has helped. I mean, it's night and day. It's yeah. so much better, but you know, it's, it's always still there and it's always something I have to work on and be um, aware of. And so, so when it's, yeah. Yeah. So what, most medications do, um, and I don't know how long you've been around the show, but it, it, most medications turn the alarms way down. Mm-hmm. If you think about it like your kitchen's on fire, it turns the smoke alarm way down. It does not put the fire out in the building. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And so it does allow you to think and to move and to actually go talk to a counselor and to get back with your friends and start getting back to, okay, I can function now, but we have to function in creating a life that's not on fire, right? Mm-hmm. And then over time, not every situation, but often the alarms go off because there's no more smoke because the fire's out. And then you got to figure out what the damage is and get that taken care of. And then you're on to the, on to the next when you look back across 80 or 100 dates, if you had to just say one or two, like, this is why this isn't working, what would that be? Um, I feel like what would happen is um, it was always something like three to five dates. So it was always, I usually get past the first date most of the time. Second date, yeah, usually that was like, you know, we have a good time. And then third date is when I get the, you know, third, fourth, fifth, it's the, um, I feel like nine times out of 10, it was them telling me that, you know, um, either they would tell me to my face or, I mean, I got the whole slew or, um, they would text me or they would just stop talking to me, ghost me, whatever, what one of those, but they would communicate like, I'm not interested anymore. And this only started happening. Like, since my last relationship ended, you know, um, I feel like I was in that relationship for four years. And before that, I feel like I, I didn't really have that much trouble, but why did that relationship end? Uh, he cheated on me. Okay. So hold hold on. Let me sit there for a second. The worst part about somebody cheating on you, I think is not that you feel duped and stupid and that you lose trust in somebody else. I think the most disorienting thing about somebody cheating on you is that you lose trust in you. How could this happen? How could I let this? How come I didn't see this? How could I create a world where he felt he had to whatever? You start taking all of it. And people will 
lose the ability to take a firm step on the sidewalk in front of them because they've lost faith in themselves. They don't trust themselves anymore. And often healing is not finding a super trustworthy new partner. It's learning to trust yourself again. And how, how do I do that? You got to own the fact that somebody cheated on you. Sit in it for a minute and grieve it. Not just be pissed off and try to go like out and solve it. And Oh, I'm going to. I am a good person. And yeah, I got duped. I did. I, <clears throat> my worry, like I, I totally get what you're saying. And uh, I think my, what I was like thinking about was that, um, or the thing I was worrying about because I have so much anxiety all the time um, that I am so hyper like looking for anything, any sign to show that they will like be like my ex that I feel like I'm It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And because, you know, and I, I can't say that there were that many that I was like, oh man, that was really the love of my life that like got got away or mm-hmm. something, you know, like, but I, I guess I'm just kind of like, is cause people love to say like, Oh, you attract a certain kind of person. Um, so it's like this, also this worry of like, Oh, I'm attracting these people who actually are going to hurt me or feel like they're going to hurt me. And, and this I gotta, is, like, listen, them all away and, this is you playing control defense after you got hurt. And the suckiest thing about healing from hurt in relationships is the only path forward is vulnerability. The only way you meet somebody who's going to be worth your time for the rest of your life is for you to make yourself vulnerable enough that they could hurt you again. And I know that sounds insane. No, I... I get what you what you mean, and I think I think the problem with that is that as I've gotten older, like the way I meet people, like single people, is mostly online because that's just mm-hmm. the easiest. Like, they're everyone's everyone's paired up. Like, <laughs> you know, the dating pool the dating pool is much smaller, and I think it feels that way. It feels that way, and when, you, yeah, loneliness, like the physiology of being lonely, not just romantically, but with friends too. And I'd be willing to bet you money that that's a part of this also is you just, it narrow, it literally narrows your vision of field to where you can mm-hmm. only see caustic outcomes. It makes everything very, very scarce. And it makes you say things like everyone and always and never. That's mm-hmm. what loneliness does because your body recognizes when you're lonely, you're in danger of being dead. And that's ancient technology, right? It's old wiring. And that's why you're anxious all the time. And it sounds like if I let go right now, if I open my hands and just started hanging out with a bunch of girlfriends around the house, I started a bowling league for God's sakes. I put the stupid phones away. Can we just do this? Can we just do this? Is the app thing working? Um, no, no. Okay. And so what if we just I, didn't do that for a minute? Yeah, it's been on pause for Okay, sure. awesome. But did you fill it with something else? Did you start going to poetry readings or to gymnastics class or to jujitsu class or something? Did you put yourself in situations where you're going to have to be around new wackadoodle human beings? Yeah, yeah. I do. I try. I do try. I do try. And Give me an example. The- Give me an example. Because um, I don't believe you. Give me an example. <laughs> I joined the gym. And oh my they, gosh. Have you seen people at Planet Fitness? Not in like I worked out at Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness. <laughs> I know, but it's not like that. But people have the craziest workouts there. Listen, that's not a great place. That's where people go with okay, their headphones okay. on and they judge one another. I'm okay, talking about a place it. where you have to interact with other people, be on the same team, be on the same and with the same idea, be learning something new, I, growing yeah. together, that kind of thing. In the past, yeah, I, I have, of course, tons of that. It, I think COVID has really thrown me off because there was a long period of time. We weren't really allowed to do anything in groups. Correct. 
Right. And especially in LA, you know, they, they really like things were um, closed or not functioning for a long time. And so I think now, you know, um, things are really starting to like open up again and people are meeting up again, but you know, there's, but that, that, that's why I stopped. And then it's, it's like, yeah, you're right. I should, but, but, but listen, real quick, Sarah, one year turned into two years and two years turned into three years. And now we're going on year four. Mm-hmm. And I've been in LA and down by Hollywood. I've been in LA several times and it's wide open right now. What, what do you mean? Like you can go, you could go right now and sign up for anything you want to go sign up for. Oh, right, right. right. You're right. Yeah. But I want, I want you to see the common denominator here. We're not going to sign up for a cooking class or jujitsu class or Spanish lessons or poetry readings. And that it's just so we can try to meet somebody. What we're going to do is look in the mirror and say, I'm freaking Sarah and I'm 34 and I'm awesome. And I'm going to start doing things that I love with other people. And some of that's going to be uncomfortable. And some of that's going to be me getting out of the house. All of it's going to be me getting out of the house. I'm going to put the phones down for a bit. And I'm not saying, I know, man, my, I got family members who've been married because they met people online. I've got some of my best friends in the world. I'm not saying that's all bad and wrong. What I'm saying is in your case, it's not working. So let's try something else. And Social anxiety, all the, the the angst you'll feel, the only way to heal is through it. Even if you go see a counselor for it, it's, they're gonna, it's going to walk you through exposure therapy. Limited doses until your body begins to realize I'm safe. And that guy, that guy cheated on me. Four years I gave that guy and I thought he was going to be my forever guy. And he cheated on me and now I don't even trust me. My body doesn't trust me. And we're going to slowly practice human relationships again by getting back with people and getting back with people. And it feels like I was saying earlier, if you take your hands off of the wheel, like the dry, like I've got to be married now. Like my clock is ticking. Um, It feels like if you open your hands and relax that, that feeling to, I'm just going to make Sarah the most awesome person who's ever lived. And I'm going to be, generous and kind and fun and i'm gonna go do fun fun stuff it feels like then i'm never gonna meet the guy but the data would say in your world those other things haven't worked so let's try something completely different that's gonna create the life that sarah wants to live at this point does that make sense Mm -hmm. can i tell you something there's not something wrong with you You're not all screwed up or broken or messed up or somehow dysfunctional. I'm sorry that guy hurt you. I think like, I just, the way like I grew up, I think like, I, you know, I think it was that thing like, I was attracted to someone who was going to hurt me like, Mm -hmm. and I ignored all the signs, um, and you know, until it happened or I found out it happened. And, um, so I feel like I already had trouble trusting myself and then, you know, having that happen, it's like, you know, I was already trying to repair something and it just got more broken. And And you hear that line. Um, it's not a line. It's actually true that we marry our unfinished business. Mm-hmm. If we had a dad that doesn't talk to us, we're going to find a guy who doesn't talk to us so we can get that guy to talk to us and so we can finally close that loop. The only problem is that guy doesn't talk to us either <laughs> and our bodies start hollering and screaming at us. Mm-hmm. So when you hear me say you have to practice something new, you've got to do something new. You have to teach your body over time. Dad didn't talk to me because something was wrong with him, not me. Dad would forget to pick me up at school and I would sit out there until five or six o'clock at night because he was too busy, not because I was unworthy. And you've got to teach your body that your new relationships aren't for solving old wounds. They're for creating a life that you want to live moving forward. 
When you can get there, it's a powerful, powerful reframing physiologically, psychologically, spiritually, the whole kit and caboodle. And you can move forward in a whole new trajectory. So my challenge to you is this, Sarah. Don't give up on Sarah. Sarah's pretty awesome. Sarah's been through it. Sarah probably could spend some time with a counselor. I think that'd be important. Hang on the line. I'm going to send you a copy of Own Your Past, Change Your Future, my book. Like, and it's, it's just what I'm talking about here. This stuff happened. What are we going to do next? And then I want you to be serious about writing down, here's what I want in this next season. For 2023, I'm going to learn kickboxing. I'm going to learn, uh, I don't know, how to roll sushi rolls. I don't know what you're going to do in Los Angeles, but I'm going to take a puppetry class, whatever. I'm going to do those things. And I'm going to become the best version of me I can be. And I'm going to open my hands up because that's the only way somebody else can slide their hand in a hold mine is if it's open, not if it's clenched up. And by the way, I threw some shade at 24 Hour Fitness or Planet Fitness, whichever one. I worked out there. It's fine. Those places are great. But dude, some of those workouts people are doing in there, in, <laughs> incredible. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Let's go. Uh, no, no, to... actually, I'm calling an audible. Oh, geez. Yep. You're just producer extraordinaire today. I know. What are we audibling to? We started the show, this series, with a lightning round. And I thought it would be a great idea to end it with a lightning round. Is that just because you want to listen to that music? <laughs> That's it. How'd she know? Because, man. Every time it comes on, like... It reminds me of my uh, big hair, acid-washed jean miniskirt days. That's literally what you're wearing right now, underneath <laughs> the desk. You guys have no idea. When she stands up, it is all flowy <laughs> denim, acid-washed miniskirts. Anywho... Um, so I got a couple things. So Anywho, I found right, some what are we questions running here. About? I found some questions about married sex. These are some myths that I want you to bust. Can we do that? Yes, but I did promise my wife I would. Yes, yes, but I promised my wife I wouldn't talk about us. <laughs> you don't have to. All right, yes. let's do it. All right. Oh, wait, hold on! Whoa! Cue the music back. Yeah, I can't. I have to have this. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Oh, jeez. All right. Question one. Scheduled sex isn't fun. Ah, it's so stupid. Here's uh, When you add a kid or two kids and a job promotion and two people working at home, unscheduled sex is sex you're not having, right? It's not having. You're not having it. So... Schedules, I think scheduled sex can be more fun because you put on the calendar, you know it's coming, you can start thinking about it, you can start planning for it, you can start fantasizing about it, you can start daydreaming about it, you can start hinting about it. Yeah, it's completely false. Completely false. To quote um, Dr. Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, anticipation. <laughs> That's probably the oldest thing you've ever said. I know. But go ahead. No, anticipation's got a whole thing about it. Antis? Anticipation. Patient. Uh, that's cool. Oh, that's what that you have that tattooed on the back of your arm in old English. I just didn't I never could tell what it meant, but now I get it. I get it. That's cool. All right, next myth. Let's Anywho, do this. Next question. Busted. Wedding night sex is wild. <laughs> oh. So uh, it's been a minute since I looked at the data, but I was astounded, actually, at how many couples don't have sex on their wedding. Like it's such a wild. It, it it it's a period at the end of a long, long sentence, right? It's a it's a big party. There's family everywhere. There's a lot of details. A lot of stuff going on. You're eating. All it's just a lot. And so uh, a lot of couples have this. They they fall asleep. They go home and like, hey, dude, can we do this tomorrow? Um, and then there's this sense of we did something wrong or we failed our wedding night or I failed her, she failed me, whatever the thing is. And so um, I think the important thing about honeymoon sex and wedding night sex and all that is is let's just have that conversation. Let's don't go into it with mixed matched expectations. I think this is going to happen this way and I got a disco ball out and <laughs> hired a DJ for the corner of the hotel room. And then somebody else just comes in like, dude, I'm going to bed. So that's what I think about that. 
The whole DJ thing in the corner is really weird. Yeah, I know. I just made it weird. I didn't mean to. All right. Gosh, I can, I can, I can make the most banal thing you awkward. Can. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a gift you have. It's a gift. All right. Your spouse will automatically know what you like. <laughs> Listen, this is a cool thing about being married is your spouse becomes mind readers. They can just look at you and be like, I know what he's going to be into tonight. Or I know what she wants me to wear. No, no. The greatest, um, Hollywood has given us this fantasy that you just meet somebody and they're like, mm-hmm. And then they're a puzzle piece and they complete you. And they know all of the things that you're into and not into and for just how long and with just the right of pressure. Stupid. It's wrong. Talk about it. Say your needs out loud. It will never cease to amaze me how many people have created humans with somebody else. But they can't say, hey, I really like this in bed. Or I want to try this. Or I actually used to really like this and I don't like this anymore. Instead of just hinting or kind of shifting your body away. Because that makes somebody feel like, oh, they're rejecting me. Or they're super into this. Just causes it. Just say it. Just say it. And if you don't know how to say it, start the conversation like this. I don't know how to say this. All right. Married sex is boring. I think. No. I think that's completely false. Uh, I think it's as boring as you two decide you're going to allow it to be. I also think that there is a place for uh, boring married sex. There's a place for just hooking up. There's a place for um, like just a release, just a let's reconnect. And then there's a place for elaborate dramas and weekend getaways and let's let's see if we can get all the popcorn ceiling to fall down around it. Like there's, there's places for both of it. And I think that when we get so focused on each individual sexual encounter, and by the way, this also isn't just like we're doing it in orgasm. The sexual encounter, sexuality, sensuality, eroticism, as Esther Pearl says, it's, it's the air that you share. It's the way you communicate with each other, the way you touch each other, the way you brush by one another, the way you say, I love you, the way I say, thank you. And so we, when we distill it down into, are we doing it? And did you have an orgasm? Or did you enjoy? Man, you, you lose all of the spirit and all of the um, engagement, all the life force in it, if you will. Um, and so, no, man, married sex can, I contend that married sex can be the best sex, the best place to fall into if you will that because you're anchored into something um i could i i, I think it, it's it, it's better than all other kinds of encounters all right husbands are always in the mood <laughs> yes uh actually i this surprised me as a young married guy um talking with young couples especially women who would say, I have geared myself up for this sex-crazed maniac who's always going to want to be doing it, who's always going to, like, like it's just going to be sex, 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 sex. And then my husband gets home from work and he just, like, wants to chill out and go to bed. And especially young married couples, they experience this as rejection. Like, there's something wrong with me because I've been told that he just wants it all the time. So the answer to that is absolutely not. Everybody's got different... Um, uh, Everybody has different um, seasons for when they want sex or they don't want sex or they want touch or they don't want touch. So, no, the idea that every man just wakes up every second of every day being like, I want to do it, want to do it, want to do it, not true. All right, next question. You can't get the passion back once it's gone. Can you elaborate on that? Um, I think from what I was reading when I put this together, it was kind of the idea of if you go through a period or – where for whatever reason you're not having sex, you can't get that back. It can't change. Once that happens, that's just where you are. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. So no, absolutely false. 1000% false. Um, usually when the quote unquote passion's gone, it, 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 it can be for a thousand reasons, right? Um, somebody looks differently. They're acting differently. They're um, been, been really busy at work. You got two small kids all of a sudden, or you said your first kid, like it, things happen, right? Things are chaos. Um, you're going through a series season of grief. You lost your mom, you lost your grandparent, whatever is going on. And it feels like everything's over. 
And I like to think about these as seasons, like just because winter comes doesn't mean summer's broken. Doesn't mean it's failing. It's a part of the cycle. There's just seasons when um, they feel less passionate, if you will. We're not, we're not ripping each other's clothes off as soon as we walk through the door. What, it, what I see successful couples doing is they call it out. They say things like, I miss you. They say things like, I desire to be with you and I don't know how to engage it. Or what is something wild we could do? Let's put something on the calendar. Let's use the John Deloney erotic envelope system, which is not real. I just made that up. But let's let's engage each other um, and let's decide we're going to head back into this season of passion. And sometimes say, hey, I'm just too tired. I am I'm trying to get this work project done. I've got to finish grad school. Um in year two as a nurse practitioner and, and during COVID, like whatever's going on. And that's when the, that eroticism that's in your home, it expands to not just doing it, but it's about human touch. And it's about, I'm helping her out with the kids and I'm helping out with the dishes. And I'm going to make sure that I'll take the kids to school. It's people are leaning in and helping one another. And there's these seasons, like they talk about trees during the winter, their roots grow really deep because they're not having to spend so much energy putting out leaves and putting out flowers. It's like that, right? During these seasons when we might not be doing it all the time, we are building deep, deep roots so that when the sun comes back up, sorry, I went way past time on that one. That's okay. I like the analogy on that one with the tree. That's great. All right. You can't make yourself feel desire. I think that's true. But there's something you talk about, though. Yes, that may be true that you can't make yourself feel it, but what can you do? What I can control is the, I can control my context. I can control my environment a week in advance, two weeks in advance. I can say my needs out loud. Hey, I need help around here. I'm not sleeping okay. Um, I'm coming in really hot from work. It would be a gift to me if you and I just had 30 minutes to sit on the front porch and stare off into space together and just say no. Like, what what do you need? Emily Nagoski calls them, um, says they're brakes and gas pedals. What do I need to do? How do I communicate to you? Hey, these are brakes for me. Dishes in the sink, an unmowed yard, like a f- trash laying out on the driveway, whatever the things are. I don't know what they are. Piles of laundry, whatever it is. Um, you can create a context so that your body has permission to, whoo, and that, my friends, is where passion lives. All right. You are either sexually compatible or you're not. No, false. You learn. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the frustrating thing about talking about sex with 20-something-year-olds and even 30-something-year-olds is trying to explain to them probably the best sex of your life, of your married adult life is going to be in your 40s and your 50s. Like you get more compatible as you get older, right? As you experience one another, as you become wise, as you get, as your relationship grows deeper, as your relationship gets deeper roots. And so there's this idea like, I'm going to be old and wrinkly and whatever. Hang on, kids, buckle up, right? So no, I, I don't believe in the, we're just not compatible. I believe at the end of the day, we are choosing to not be compatible. And that's a totally different proposition. And by the way, I also know that's super contentious and that doesn't apply to abusive relationships, but I stand by my statement. All right. The older you get, the less sex you will have. Um, I, don't, I haven't seen any data on that. Um, I, don't, I, I don't really know I can comment on that um, other than to say anecdotally, or as Andrew Huberman says, anecdotally. Um, I don't believe that to be true. There is come a point when hormones shift when you're in your, you know, 60s, 70s and like an 80s. Like, so I don't know how old you're talking about here, but 40s, 50s, I don't see, I don't, that data may exist. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Last one. Husbands and wives always have the same sexual expectations. (laughs) You're asking that with a smile on your face. Kelly, what are you really asking? No, that's the question. I mean, it's a myth that you're just going to, we both want the same thing all the time, in and out of the bedroom, that, you know, that it's just going to be automatically magical. Yes. You know, it's, just, it's not going to take some... Just incorrect. Discussion and work. Just incorrect. The number of times I've heard from couples, uh, um, uh, and again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but especially women who would say, I, I just... I just have to get into it. And once I start, I just got to say, I just got to go. And once I go, I'm never upset that I, that I did this. 
But man, I would have just read a book and gone to bed, or I just would have watched another series and gone to bed if he hadn't brought it up. And then the other side of it is, my God, will she just bring it up once? I feel like I'm hounding her all the time. So there's always going to be this, I feel this, or I, that's where communication is so important. That's where this idea of how can I meet your needs as, a, as an operating strategy and how can they meet your needs? And when two couples are dedicated to that, man, it's really, really hard to pull them apart um, because sometimes what I really need right now is some space. What I really need right now is some, I need you to like increase my heart rate sex. What I really need right now is just boring married connection sex. And you may have come in and been like, today's going to be the day. Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. And you're not going to hate it. And it may be like, I don't really feel like getting all dressed up. And But, but when we go down that road. It's always fun. So I, yeah. What was your original question, Kelly? I kind of lost it. Um, that you're always on the same page. You yeah, always yeah, have yeah. the same expectations. I would suggest that you enter into sexual encounters is assuming you're not on the same page. Assume you're not on the same page. And that's going to impress upon you the need to talk about it. Say your things out loud. Say your needs out loud. And by the way, if you want to have some adventure sex, you want to do something wild or have some, um, give each other some heads up. Sometimes that can be a lot. When somebody's getting home, they just put the kids to bed and they're like, all right, now we're going to like, whoa, whoa. But if I have all day to think about it, if, I've, if you've got three days to think about it, if you're like on Friday, we're going to, that's a totally different proposition. There you go. What else? Is that it? That's it. We just solved married sex myths. Yeah. That's Valentine's. We busted them. That's our Valentine's shows right there. Happy Valentine's. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, America. Is that how you say that? That sounds so absurd when I say it like that. I feel like I should do push-ups and an eagle should fly across the... Like, whatever. Beep, 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 beep. I'm glad that's not happening. Exactly. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, we're going to go with the great Pat Benatar. Love is a battlefield. We are young. Heartache to heartache. We stand. No promises. No demands. Love is a battlefield. Woo-hoo! Man, did not spend a long time on that first verse. We are strong, and no one can tell us we're wrong. Searching our hearts for so long, both of us knowing. <laughs> Love is a battlefield. I might get that as my next tattoo, Kelly. See you soon. <laughs>